We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How's it going, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Math Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. Today, I'm joined by a return guest, good friend of the pod, Kevin Gray Jr. He's at Kevin Gray Sports on Twitter. Uh, he works for 105.3 The Fan. He has the Gray Area Podcast. Uh, we got some great stuff for y'all today. The Mavs, they had a big win over the Pelicans. Uh, we're going to do a brief 20-game review since the Mavs have officially crossed that 20-game mark. We're about a fourth of the way through the season. And we got a lot of good stuff today, so y'all tune in. Hi, this is Luka Doncic. Can he get it away in time on the step back? He does. He hits. He hits. And the Mavericks have won the game. Luka Doncic with a 30-footer to win it at the horn. And you're listening to the Mavs Step Back Podcast. All right, Kevin, how are you doing, man? I'm good, man. Good to see you once again. I appreciate joining you, as always, here on the uh, the Mavs Step Back podcast, man. You guys do tremendous work, and I'm just happy to be a part. And also, coming off of a Mavs win in the Big Easy, so uh, times are good. Let's just hope the Cowboys, you know, make it even better uh, when they beat the New Orleans Saints, hopefully. Yeah, I I mentioned it I mentioned it on Twitter earlier today, but you know whoever did the coordinate coordinating with the scheduling with NBA yeah. and NFL, they did a good job with that because there were a ton of Cowboys fans in attendance at Smoothie King Center for that Mavs Pels game that probably wouldn't have been there, you know, <laughs> if if the Cowboys weren't playing a big game with the Saints this weekend. So that was good, uh, and like you said, it was finally you know the Mavs had lost five of six games. Mm-hmm. Uh, things were looking rough. They lost two games to the. Uh, the Wizards and the Cavs that were tough fought games. And both of those teams are a lot better than what they have been in the past, but it was two games that they should have won and they didn't. Uh, So I know it's the Pelicans, but they had won three of four. They had beaten the Jazz, the Clippers and the Mm -hmm. Wizards who had just beat the Mavs uh, playing really good since they got uh, Brandon Ingram back from his injury and they don't have Zion back yet, but they've been playing good basketball. Sure. And the Mavs, they came out with some fire. And uh, it was 139 to, what, 107, I believe? That's right. Yeah, 32-point win. Uh, yeah. And uh, they set a franchise record for field goal percentage, <laughs> 68.7, a record that was set back in 1983. So it was a great night in New Orleans. It was the first time I was able to actually go. I, I try to go there every single year. 
because I live an hour, hour and a half away mm-hmm. from uh, from NOLA. And it was my first time going down there. And my wife and I, we just went and enjoyed some basketball. I didn't even worry with the media stuff for this one. <laughs> uh, just went down there, watched some good basketball, and it was a great night. So I'm glad they uh, they jumped out and got a much-needed win. If they had lost, it would have been a disaster. But what's your initial takeaways from what we saw last night? Well, clearly, you know what this means. That means you need to go to every single game for the rest of the season. Yeah. And that's going to be the case, <laughs> nearly 69% from the field. But, you know, it's funny because Jason Kidd talks about it a lot, you know, post-game or pre-game or whenever he, you know, he talks to the media is that, you know, he hopes for his, his team shots to go down. And he finally got a game where it felt like every single shot that the Mavericks took, you know, went down. And you give credit, you know, Luka Doncic, you know, came out in the first quarter, was absolutely on fire, uh, you know, whether it be, you know, step back threes, whether it be taking it to the basket, finding teammates, you know, he was doing it all to really set the tone, you know, in the first quarter. And we were joking before we got on. I said, I'm going to start calling Jason Kidd, you know, Professor Kidd with the glasses and the experimentation (laughs) that he's been doing so far this season. He did it again last night. You know, Dwight Powell gets back into the starting lineup. Reggie Bullock actually gets into the starting lineup for the third time this year, replacing Tim Hardaway Jr. And I thought it was a good move to try and take some pressure off of Tim Hardaway. I think he's been pressing a little bit, you know, to start off the season, not shooting the ball well defensively hasn't been great either. So I thought it was a good move, both offensively and defensively, for Reggie Bullock to try and hopefully establish some confidence. We know how good of a defender he can be, but what's been he's been struggling with in terms of his three-point shot. And hopefully, and now that the calendar's turned into December, which apparently he's a much better shooter when the calendar turns into December, yes. uh, that can be something that he can build off of. And last night was a good start for them to do that, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, the, it was really funny. You know, you said that about Professor Kid. It was funny because, <laughs> uh, you know, so many people uh, had been saying, and I, I wasn't like clamoring for it, but given how the Mavs bigs had been playing, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, you know, would it really hurt to just try Moses Brown at center? <laughs> and they did. They tried it for they one did. game and it didn't work out. And th- now I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> like you've been satisfied on the Moses Brown front. Yeah, I'm satisfied. And, you know, even last night, you know, I, that was one thing I liked about the the big win in New Orleans. They they finally got a win so big that the young guys got a good bit of run at the end of the game. You know, it mm-hmm. wasn't just like a last minute or whatever. It was, you know, pretty much the last half of the second or the fourth quarter. All those guys got some pretty good run. You had Josh Green hitting – mid-range pull-up shots which is like (laughs) unicorn sighting uh you had moses brown dunking and hanging on the rim so much that he got a technical on the second Uh one he did you know it it was some fun stuff but i I agree with you i like that uh jay kid decided to bring thj off the bench it's kind of like what we saw last year too you know he uh, at at some point during the start last season even through all the covid stuff he had a really rough shooting stretch Mm-hmm. And, you know, Rick Carlisle did the same thing. He ended up bringing him off the bench and he eventually did move him back into the starter spot. But uh, I think you kind of have to do that with Tim Hardaway Jr. Just to, you know, change his change his feel a little bit, you know, get him get him back in a situation, like you said, where he isn't feeling that much pressure. And it mm-hmm. paid off. You know, he hit four of his seven threes last night, had 16 points in just 25 minutes and. You know, even Reggie Bullock, 
He only played 18 minutes, but he hit two of his three three pointers, which was a great sign. He was a plus 18 mm-hmm. in the game. Uh, and you know, when we were watching that game last night, you know, I watch every single game. Uh, yeah. my, my wife, she is a huge Mavs fan, loves the Mavs. Uh, she loved Dirk more than anything else, <laughs> but she still, she loves the Mavs. She just doesn't watch as religiously as I do. Sure. But even her, you know, some of her analysis watching that game last night, one of the main things she said to me, she was like, man, Reggie Bullock is really intense. Mm. on defense mm-hmm. and you know she she's not wrong there either you know That's he, a he, observation it is yeah you know even if he's not hitting shots and i've noticed this throughout the season or if guys are hitting shots on him he's always trying hard yeah uh he's giving maximum effort and everything and i just as bad as he has been overall through these first 20 games i just feel like he is too good of a shooter for that to continue he has to turn a corner at some point. And maybe this was the shakeup. Maybe this was the wrinkle that, you know, that was needed to get him, both him and Tim Hardaway Jr. going. You know, no, maybe I, maybe it's a good combination to have him starting and THJ off the bench, at least for now. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, you know, he's a career 40% three-point shooter, and there was a reason why, you know, Tom Thibodeau had him starting, I think, 64, 65 games last year when he was in New York. He's a relentless defender and a guy that when he's going can shoot really well from the three point line. And that's kind of some of the things you were hoping for when you brought in a guy like Reggie Bullock to go alongside, you know, Luka Doncic is a real three and D guy that could help space the floor and be able to help, you know, in terms of the team shooting well from the three point line, which is interesting because, you know, going into last night, this was a team that was only 22nd in the NBA in three point percentage. It kind of just speaks to how much they've been struggling, whether it be, you know, Bullock or Tim Hardaway Jr. or Dorian Finney-Smith, who had his struggles, you know, during the early portion of the season, not being able to knock down three-pointers because, you know, the Mavericks have been generating, you know, open looks at a really terrific rate, probably the best in the NBA in terms of generating open looks so far this year. They just simply haven't knocked them down. And so hopefully, look, it was an extreme to hit 69% of your shots against the the, the Pelicans. <laughs> but hopefully the idea is, Maybe they've turned a corner now. Bullock, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr., who went, what, six or seven in the second half, you know, that they've really now, okay, now that the calendar's turned to December, they've got 20 games under them. Now they can start to develop the kind of offensive rhythm that can allow them to, this team to have the kind of positive regression, you know, that we need to see from them in order to feel like, you know, you feel much better about them. Because again, you know, coming into the game, you know, against New Orleans, this is a team, the only team in the West with a winning record and a negative point differential. Like that's yeah. bizarre. So very, <laughs> so very bizarre. Hoping, you, so you're hoping that, you know, offensively they could turn it around to get those numbers to where they should be, but more importantly, to translate into wins, you know, going forward, especially getting into December now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously we don't expect the Mavs to, you know, turn it around to where they shoot 53% from three uh, right. every, every <laughs> night, like they did in new Orleans. But sure. like you said, they have had so many games where they just, they couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat. So uh, hopefully we do have a string of games where they just go on a run and start making a ton of shots to get it back to a normal, a normal hit rate on that. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, I'm encouraged by it. I said uh, on the last pod that uh, me and my co-host Matt Galatson did uh, before this game happened that maybe back-to-back games against this Pelicans team, even if they had been playing good basketball lately, you know, they're still shorthanded. They don't have Zion Williamson. 
Uh, they didn't have Josh Hart last night, which was big mm-hmm. for KP because he always gives KP fits. <laughs> he uh, does. <laughs> and, and sure enough, KP had a good game himself, 9-15 from the field, 20 points, 10 rebounds, and two blocks. Uh, but I, I said it on the last pod we did that maybe these back-to-back games against the Pelicans is exactly what the doctor ordered for the Mavs. Uh, yeah, because like you said, it, it it's not it's not been a coaching issue like some people would suggest. Just given like uh, the rate of open shots that they've had, they just they simply have not been hitting them for mm-hmm. whatever reason. Whether it's the new ball, whether it's you know guys just not having confidence, or you know just starting off extremely slow. Whatever it is, you know they don't have to shoot fifty percent from three to have won some of these games that they've lost already. If they just hit like two or three more open threes in some of these games, maybe that's the difference in them being, you know, clinging to a fourth seed in the West to being closer to Utah in the third spot in the West standing. So uh, I'm really excited for December and, you know, just kind of seeing where this thing goes because uh, Luca being completely healthy and playing himself back into shape uh, was great. You know, for the – I think I saw before last night's game, uh, the Mavs were being outscored by like over a hundred points on the season when Luca was on the court. Yeah, uh, which was super surprising, and I know that's not just solely on him. It, it's based on the lineups he's out there with and everything. But you know, in that game last night, uh, he was a team high plus twenty nine. Yeah, <laughs> in a in a thirty two point win, he was a plus twenty nine. So yeah, you know that's pretty telling in itself. Uh, he only played twenty seven minutes, had twenty eight points, eleven of sixteen from the field, hit all of his free throws, had fourteen assists to go with it. You know, we had Pelicans fans sitting all around us, just like groaning. You know, just <laughs> oh man, here we go again. Here with he this goes guy. again. Yeah. We suffered through it with Dirk, and now we're. <laughs> <laughs> Suffering through it with Luca too. They just couldn't believe, you know, how how on he was in that first quarter where he scored 18. But uh, I'm just – I'm really excited for this next fourth of the season as we go through December and into the new year uh, because, you know, even though the team itself, the roster itself is the same core pretty much it's been for the last three years, there is something to be said for the new guys, you know, having time to get – uh, uh, acclimated in the system and everything. Reggie Bullock, Sterling Brown, you know, he's been, been uh, better as of late. Mm-hmm. He has been better as of late, very active. You know, he had, uh, he had eight points and five rebounds last night, hit three of his four shots and he plays good defense too. So, um, I think things are trending upward for this team. I still think, like I said on the last pod that they do need to make a couple moves. Uh, just to just to where you don't get in a situation where the Mavs need to have a couple upgraded parts to where they're not having to rely on all the sum of their parts being sure. on for them to uh, win big against teams they're supposed to win big against or have a chance to beat a team like uh, Phoenix or the Clippers when Luka was out. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, there's there's a couple of – it doesn't even have to be big moves. You know, just a couple of small around the edges, you know, maybe uh, maybe upgrade your big, try and go after Miles Turner with Indiana uh, with the Pacers struggling the way they have been early mm-hmm. this season. Maybe you can make a move there. 
if the Kings finally decide to, to blow things up because they've been kind of disappointing this year, maybe you can try and do something with Rashawn Holmes. Um, or, I mean, even Mar- Marvin Bagley. You know, that's a that's a lower-end one right there. But sure. uh, there's just thing I, I just look at it and I see a lot of potential, especially when we get to December 15th when guys who were acquired in the offseason are able to be traded again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see a lot of potential for where the Mavs can improve. And if that positive regression like we've been talking about with shooting happens and they do that, I mean, we, we might really have something on our hands here, Kevin, because despite how disappointing the nine losses have been for the Mavs sure. who are 11 and nine, they're still fourth in the West right now. So they're in a, <laughs> they're in a prime position. You know, the West has been – weird i'm not gonna say bad i mean it's, it's the good suns teams. and the warriors and everybody else at this point <laughs> yes and kind of kind of the jazz but yeah know. yeah uh but basically suns and warriors but you know if they're after everything that has gone on and with all the wide open misses that they've had that you know you just can't explain why it's happening you know, after everything, they're still at fourth in the West. So they have a chance to take advantage of something here. And I'm I'm curious to get your thoughts on, you know, are you with me in that there's something that can be done here to where they can take advantage and stay in the top four in the West or even build on it throughout the, the rest of the season after these first 20 games? You know, I think a lot of this will take care of itself in terms of how the season will go on in terms of their shooting woes. Like, you can't be as poor as they've been shooting the ball all season long and think that that's something that's going to continue. And hopefully, you know, the game against the Pelicans will start to see some of that turnaround. But, you know, there's a couple of issues that this team really still has to figure out going forward. You know, namely their ability to rebound and their inability to really get consistent play out of the center position because, you know, you saw what the Cavaliers did to them. You saw what the Wizards did to them. This is not something that's going to go away because if you're talking about being one of those teams in the upper echelon of the West, you're going to be facing teams that have terrific center play. You know, you start with teams like the Phoenix Suns, DeAndre Ayton, you know, who looked fantastic, I thought, against the Golden State Warriors. You got teams like, you know, the Jazz with Gobert and teams, you know, like the Lakers, who eventually I think will find themselves getting things, you know, figured out, you know, with Anthony Davis. Like you're going to be facing a lot of teams in the West that has really good center play. And you can't be a team that's 26 in the NBA going into last night, you know, and rebounding and think that you're going to have a legitimate chance to really do some things, you know, in the West. I mean, yeah, you got one of the five best players in the world and Luka Doncic, and he's going to do what he does, you know, pretty much, you know, on most nights, but you have to be able to defend, be better in terms of your transition defense. You've got to rebound the ball better. And I think, and Jason Kidd talks about this all the time. You know, he really won't know his team or feels like he doesn't know his teams until you get to around Christmas. We're about three weeks away from that being the case here. So the next few weeks is really going to tell us about, one, can this Mavericks team continue to improve in terms of their shooting? But can they get better in terms of rebounding the ball? Can they get better in terms, you know, of shooting the basketball? All the things that we thought going into this year we thought could be improved, you know, that's going to have to be the case. And what lineup combinations are they really going to figure out? Because, you know, I say all the time, I feel like the best lineup combination for this team is still with Kristaps Porzingis as the lone big man on the floor with maybe a Maxi Kleba as your four. And then you got, you know, Doncic, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith, Tim Hardaway Jr. or Bullock, however you want to interchange some of those guys. But until they figure out consistent lineups that allows them to accentuate their strengths, I think that's going to be something I'm going to be looking for for the next three weeks is which lineups out here will give the Mavericks the best chances to win. And more importantly, 
can find some consistency going forward for Jason Kidd to give him confidence that he doesn't have to continue to do the kind of experimenting that he feels like he's had to do, you know, so far through the first, you know, 20 games of the season. Yeah. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, and I mean, look, there, there's going to have to be uh, something done about the big man situation. Now, yeah. given given it was good to see what they did against New Orleans because Giannis Valanciunas had been playing out of his mind recently. Yes. Uh, and, and surprisingly from three, they, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. Willie green, the head, the head coach <laughs> for the Pelicans said that, uh, that they've been calling him Dirk Valanciunas the last, <laughs> <laughs> the last couple of games. Cause he had that one game against the Clippers where he went like seven of seven from three or something like that. He went for like 39, uh, 15. It was like seven <laughs> of eight from the three point line. I was like, what, what's going on here? Like that's so, yeah. So even, even though Zion wasn't playing, I was just thinking going into that game against the Pelicans, like, you know, man, I really hope that Giannis Valanciunas doesn't completely kill the Mavs, uh, you know, with the recent tear he's been on. And especially since the Mavs gave up 120 paint points combined mm-hmm. with the Wizards and Cavs game. Well, then you come into uh, the Pels game last night and they only give up 38 paint points and they scored 60 of their own. So, yes, uh, they definitely flipped the script there. It, it helps when you're hitting your threes, too. But, right. you know, they don't they, they didn't shoot like an absurd amount of threes either. Uh, so I really like that balance that uh, they needed a game like that. 
Uh, you could just tell the intensity all around everybody. It didn't matter who it was. I saw Trey Burke locking guys up last night. I noticed that you too. Know, I said Trey Burke's, you know, half court defense, the perimeter defense was pretty good. <laughs> he he was he was he was getting after it. Yeah, everybody was, and that's mm-hmm. what you need. That's what you. It has to be a collect uh, until the Mavs make a trade. Uh, where you get a big that's, you know, a better defender like a Miles Turner, you know, whoever. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have to have a collective effort from everybody uh, to, to get it done and protecting the paint and everything. So uh, just, I mean, what's your thoughts on the Mavs big situation specifically? So, you know, with Porzingis, you know, I, I tell Fussley, I think Porzingis should be the lone, the lone big man on the floor. I think he needs to play at the five. The Mavericks are like, no, Kevin, we're not going to do that. We're going to play Porzingis at the four because we feel like we can get him back to where he was in New York. I say, okay, well, fine. If you're going to do that, then you have to be better rebounding the basketball. You got to get better at defending the paint because, you know, Porzingis is a much better weak side and help defender than he is a guy that's going to be guarding straight up in the post, you know, one-on-one against guys. And we've seen that throughout, you know, his time you know, with the Mavericks that he's a better weak side to help defend it, which is fine. But that means you got to find an anchor down low to be able to help defend the paint in that way, but then conversely be able to help out, you know, on the boards. And it's funny you mentioned the big man situation because we saw, you know, Moses Brown start, you know, a couple of games ago and I tried against the, you know, the Cavaliers and I was like, okay, Mavs Twitter, this is what y'all wanted. This is y'all wanted to see Moses Brown get out here in the starting lineup. We've been trying to keep it cute with you and trying to tell you, and Moses Brown may not be ready yet. And then folks will come back at me and say, well, Kevin, he can't be any worse than Willie Colley Stein. He can't be any worse than Powell. He can't be any worse than, you know, Bobon. I'm like, okay, point taken. But you'll see what happens when he gets out on the floor. And then unfortunately, you know, the Cavs are a bad matchup. Like their big man situation is really good. Jared Allen, there's a reason why he's getting paid $100 million, you know, for the Cavs. But my point is, Brown isn't necessarily ready to be that kind of contributor just yet. Now, I think he can be a good player that develops as he continues to work with Tyson Chandler, you know, his organization, but he's not ready to be in a contributing role as of yet that will allow you to feel better about your big man situation. And you talked about the idea of trying to go and acquiring someone that may be what you need to do because you can't let a Daniel Gafford from the Wizards walk in and put up a monster double-double on you and then turn around and watch Jaron Allen do the same and think you got a lot of confidence in your big man situation going forward. But I always felt like Porzingis needed to be the five, Dwight Powell. We all know gritty, tough leader on this team, but he's an undersized center. And unfortunately, there will be times where matchups for him will just be bad. And while you admire what he does from an energy standpoint and the things that he brings – He's just not simply, he's just not the answer long-term at the big man situation. So they're going to have to eventually try to figure out what they need to acquire there. But in the meantime, I think they can stem some of that by having Porzingis at the five and starting Maxi Kleba at the four when he's your best versatile defender and he can help out with the rebounding situation and those kinds of things. But you mentioned that. That was a great point. It has to be a collective effort in terms of the rebounding for this team. You know, Doncic, Porzingis, Kleba. These guys have really got to be able to have a team rebounding type of mentality until they figure out what they want to do, you know, with their big man situation going forward. This is one of the last things we'll talk about here, and then I'll let you go. But uh, the other day, I put a trade scenario out there with mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, it was a trade with the Raptors, Goran Dragic and uh, Chris Boucher uh, coming back 
to the Mavs. And, you know, I, I think something you'd have to have Dwight Powell in the deal to make it work. You'd have to sure. have, you know, Josh Green, maybe you add Moses Brown too. Uh, you know, whatever pieces to make it work where it's not like overpay, but it, it still gives the Raptors, you know, a little bit of value back, you know, some young pieces to work with since they're going to go through a rebuilding stage. Uh, I don't think the Raptors, even though they're going to try, I don't think they're going to be able to get what, you know, Masai Ujiri is hoping they get for him. Sure. Uh, because he's a 35-year-old. He's making $19 million. Uh, contending teams aren't going to give up, you know, or they can't give up a ton because, you know, all of their star players are making the majority of the money, mm-hmm. and it's it's just kind of hard to piece together something, you know, just given his salary number, even though he isn't expiring. So that in itself is going to be hard. Uh, so I do think eventually – something will get worked out there, whether it's a buyout or it's a trade with the Mavs. So I I don't know if the Boucher thing, I don't know, you know, because he's been – he hasn't been great this year. You know, mm-hmm. Dwight Powell has arguably been on the same level as him stats-wise uh, than what he's been in the past. So I'm wondering if, if you think something like that could be viable because that way – you're getting Luca's buddy. You get an sure. extra play. You get an extra playmaker, a guy who can hit shots. Uh, Dragic is a guy that I like to call a 16 game player. You know he, <laughs> he he may not be he may not be the best in the regular season, but when you get mm-hmm. to the postseason, he makes a big difference, especially if he's healthy. And then you add another big man in Boucher that, uh, and I hope I'm saying that right. I'm pretty sure it's Boucher and not. Mm-hmm. Bush Butcher. <laughs> I'm pretty I think sure you got it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's Boucher. But anyway, yeah. uh then you add him that can bolster your big man situation a little bit, and he can hit some threes too, uh, when given the opportunity. So I look at that situation and I look at how you know some of the Mavs young guys have uh progressed or lack thereof so far, and you know, Josh Green even if he does eventually have something, the Mavs aren't really in a situation right now to give him a ton of run uh, to have him develop like that. So, I mean, maybe a situation in Toronto is good for a guy like him, and maybe they can work something out like that, even if it's not immediately, maybe closer to the end of the year or closer to the trade deadline. But what do you think about that specific idea? Yeah, if I'm the Mavericks or any team in the NBA who may want to look at Goran Dragic, I'm going to wait the Raptors out to see if they go ahead and buy him out. Because as you mentioned, you know, a guy making $19 million at 35 years of age, I don't necessarily want to trade significant assets or quote unquote assets to be able to acquire dragage. So if I'm, you know, the Mavericks, I'm just going to wait the Raptors out to see if they'll go ahead and buy him out. And, you know, what's been encouraging is that, you know, guys like Jalen Brunson continue to take the next step. You know, Frank Nilakina, even though he's dealing with a calf injury, He's taken, you know, some really positive steps this year to really help out in terms of some playmaking and some defense to where you don't have to feel like you have to be in a rush to acquire Goran Dragic, you know, at this point. So while I think he does eventually wind up being, you know, a Dallas Maverick, you know, Jalen Brunson, Nilakina, and those guys have really been able to play well. You're hoping for Nilakina that he gets back sooner than later to continue his positive play, which I thought has been a really bright spot for the Mavericks so far to the first 20 games of this season to where you can wait until, you know, after the trade deadline or, you know, around the trade deadline in February to see if the Raptors, you know, buy him out. So, but I still do think eventually, you know, he will be 
a Mavericks. It's just a matter of, you know, when and how versus, you know, if it actually is, you know, going to happen. Yeah. And that that's another thing that has hurt the Mavs recently is Frank Nilakina. We mentioned it the last time you were on here. He'd been playing really well. Mm-hmm. Very pleasant surprise for the Mavs this year, you know, uh, shooting the ball. Well, I think his percentages, they're not great right now, but, you know, he's done some stuff where he's hit some some pull-up threes and off-the-dribble three, you know, stuff you haven't seen from Frank mm-hmm. Nilakina in the past. You know, he's always been able to hit corner threes, but, uh, you know, just he has a good feel for the offense and he's good in transition. And then, of course, you get the great defensive play every night because of That's his right. effort and active hands. And that was one of the biggest things in that New Orleans game, too. Everybody's hands were active. They were getting mm-hmm. so many deflections, even if it didn't lead to – uh you know, direct turnovers, it, it ended up, you know, costing the Pels more time. And they had like two or three shot clock violations that they caused because of that kind of stuff. So overall, Kevin, I'm I'm OK with where the Mavs are right now. I'm not like I'm not going to say I'm super happy with it because I do sure. think that they've they've let a couple of games go that they should have won. Uh, they should probably be like 13 and seven right now. Uh, but you know, all things considered, and given how, given the parity in the Western Conference right now, I mentioned to uh, one of our one of our Mavs Twitter friends, Josh Bow from Mavs Moneyball, mm-hmm. the other day. Uh, I told him that you know, for for years we've been uh, we've been saying like, man, what if the Mavs were in the West? You know, what <laughs> if they? Uh, no, not the West, not the, the West. What, what if the what if the Mavs were in the Eastern Conference? And uh-huh. now it's kind of like this flip situation this year, where the East is just amazing, mm-hmm. and the West is kind of like the old East. So we're kind of getting a little bit of a feel of okay, we're playing uh, mediocre basketball here and there, but hey, look, still fourth in the standings. <laughs> exactly, and I think to that point, you know, the biggest thing is. You know, the West is still there, you know, to really be had. You know, obviously, you know, the Warriors and the Suns have been playing, you know, fantastic, you know, basketball. But for the Mavs to be where they are with the, you know, inability to make three-point shots, you know, not rebounding the ball well, defensively still trying to find their way in certain areas, you know, all things considered, you know, to be fourth in the West and 11-9 and after 20 games, given the things that you've been dealing with, that's a good sign going forward that hopefully that their defense won't subside in the way to where if they're not making shots defensively, they start hanging their heads. Jason Kiss talked about that. When we feel like we're not making shots, that's when we start regressing on the defensive end. That can't be the case going forward. Defensively, you've got to show up every night whether or not you're making shots because there's been times this year where the Mavericks have won games ugly and they've had to win it because of their defense. You know, I think about the Denver game. You know, when they went small and had Dorian Finney-Smith out there at the five, and all of a sudden defensively they were able to turn things around and be able to get, you know, a nice win at home. Those are the kinds of moments and things that you've got to have throughout a season that you can lean on and take with you going forward. And then for the Mavericks to be able to be in that spot defensively is where they'll have to continue to get better at so that even when they're not making shots, they can find ways to win ball games because eventually that shooting hopefully, you know, will come around the way that it did. Maybe, like I said, maybe not to the extreme the way it did against the Pelicans, but in that way going forward. Yeah, yeah, and I know, you know, Jason Kidd got a lot of flack earlier in the season because of the comments he made uh, about, you know, getting KP more paint touches and posting mm. him up more and everything like that. And, I, you know, to an extent, you don't want to overkill on that. But I think the main point of the early season stuff with, with the KP post stuff was just getting him confident, getting him engaged, getting him mm-hmm. active. 
because now you see it. He had, you know, he was driving on Giannis Valanciunas last night, going to the rim. Uh, you know, his his footwork in the paint, like you can tell they've been working with him on his post-up stuff. So mm-hmm. that's the kind of stuff when Luca isn't on fire and hitting those step back threes and everything, you have to have some other go-to that you can rely on. So if he can keep working on that and uh, keep progressing with it throughout this season, when you do get to the postseason, if shots aren't falling with with Luca or whoever it is, you have another go to option, and you know KP is not just standing in the corner like he did in last year's playoff series against the Clippers, and <laughs> maybe you have something there, you know, yeah. especially if the especially if everybody's engaged because I if the whole team is engaged, they have some really good defensive potential on this team, and they've showed that, you know, when when they're when they're just kind of not into it and. Uh, they have a what I call a short attention span, you know, the squirrel attention span and just kind of <laughs> letting guys cut on them and everything. You know, things can get rough in a hurry, but mm-hmm. uh, when everybody is attentive and engaged, it's, it's a good product they're putting out there. So hopefully that continues. And uh, like I said, it's it's an OK uh, start to the first fourth of this season. And I think the the potential is high for this team going forward even though I do think they do need to make a couple extra moves. But, Kevin, I appreciate you joining me again. Uh, it's always it. great to get to talk with you. And uh, before we head out here, just tell the people again where they can find all of your work and everything else you're doing right now. Appreciate it, man. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram uh, at Kevin Gray Sports. Be sure to uh, subscribe to Kevin Gray Sports on YouTube. So go to YouTube and uh, search uh, Kevin Gray Sports and subscribe there. And then, of course, you can catch me on your home Dallas Cowboys football and Texas Rangers baseball 105 through the fan. Uh, it's been a big week uh, for the Cowboys. Not necessarily great news wise, but hey, news nonetheless. But uh, for the Rangers, making a bunch of big moves, spending Man. a bunch of money. Uh, Christmas came early for the Rangers. So exciting times for us here at, uh, at 105 through the fan uh, with the Cowboys and the Rangers. And uh, I cover all things for the Dallas Mavericks for 105 through the fan. So you'll catch me at every Every home game this season, you know, tweeting away like a fiend and uh, hopefully watching some, uh, some good Mavs basketball uh, on a night-to-night basis. So, But definitely follow me on Twitter at Kevin Gray Sports for sure. Yeah, and I look, I maybe one of these days the Dallas Mavericks will have a free agency period like what we just saw with the <laughs> Texas Rangers. Maybe, maybe oh, one of these days man. that will happen because, I mean, look, I'm not a big MLB guy, but – uh, the way the timeline was blowing up on Twitter when that all that was going on, I was like, man, Rangers are making some big boy moves. <laughs> yeah, they committed over half a billion dollars to, you know, a couple of guys. Like, hey, you know, that, uh, that's pretty exciting. So, you know, hopefully. Not playing Mark any Cuban, games. Yeah. <laughs> open up that wallet, Mark Cuban. Open up that wallet a little bit, man. <laughs> well, guys, also be sure to go subscri- subscribe to the Math Step Back podcast. Uh, if you want to watch us on YouTube, We're putting all of our YouTube content on Mike Fisher's YouTube channel. He's got a Mavs NBA playlist on there. You can find all of that there. Uh, If you want to sign up for premium, we've been doing that here lately. Uh, We just started it. You get exclusive access to bonus pods that are ad-free, access to live watch parties. Our first one is tomorrow night when the Mavs take on the Pelicans again in Dallas. Uh, It gives you access to our community Discord where we'll be sharing uh, the private links to those watch parties. And then if we ever have any kind of, you know, uh, giveaways or anything like that, uh, you'll be the only people to to know about those giveaways. We've got about 30-something people in our Discord right now 
Uh, we're going to have a fun time tomorrow night, so y'all be sure to do that. And if you sign up for premium uh, before the end of the year, you get a Mavs Step Back T-shirt as well. So uh, that's where we're at on that. Uh, Kevin, I don't know. I, I probably need to go ahead and send you one of these. You know, oh, since, wow. Since you've yeah. been a return guest, but – uh <laughs> definitely this is the t-shirt you get you know when you sign up for premium and obviously you know for our guests we're not i'm not gonna make you sign up for premium. <laughs> I, I'm, just gonna, I'm just going i'm just gonna send you a t-shirt because i, I appreciate, appreciate you that coming thanks on with man yeah, you got it appreciate that <laughs> but guys look we appreciate it we hope you enjoyed the big win over the pills last night hopefully they can do it again on friday night and we will see you next time. Hopefully this this weekend. We're going to do the watch party Friday, and then we'll probably be, be back on here for another pod uh, Saturday or Sunday over the weekend. So, guys, y'all have a good one. We appreciate it.